What every blessing to you all, welcome back to my open air pulpit and a very happy new year to all of you. The last few days of 2021 have been very mild, around 10 to 14 degrees Celsius. It's very mild at the moment. It feels like spring, not January. And you know me, if it's dry, not too windy, it's perfect filming weather. I thought for this morning I would uh, tackle a subject which few others seem to be prepared to do. And I've noticed a resurgence over the last couple of years, if not more, of Jewish rabbis, rabbis as they like to be known, attacking Jesus and attacking the King James Bible. Of course, Matthew 23, you're told not to call anybody rabbi, father, master. We don't call people by such titles in the church. We're brother such and such, sister such and such. It's interesting also, if you go back to 1962 to 65, the Jesuit inspired ecumenical movements, the Church of Rome's successful uh, trap to seduce so-called Christians into the ecumenical movement, the Catholic Church running it of course and to see Catholic priests associating with Anglican vicars and apostate evangelicals has been very uh, revolting and very disturbing and of course we know this is going to happen. We were told this would happen in the, the Word of God, of course. There'd be a great falling away before the return of Christ. So we, we know these things aren't uh, to be unexpected. And we can spot those people as false Christians, apostates, heretics, so on and so forth. So it's somewhat unusual to come across rabbis who don't hide their feelings about Jesus or the King James Bible. And of course, for those of us which are saved, Jesus Christ is the living Word of God and the... Uh, Scripture is the written Word of God, and many times you can't delineate the two. So let's start, if we may, in Isaiah 42, and I want to debunk some of these Jewish heresies and blasphemies about my Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, the purest of all Jews, had no trouble attracting a crowd. It would say how they would throng him, how they would tread one upon another to get to him. And of course the Jews in the first century handed him over to Pilate because they were envious of him. And that's why so many people attack Jesus, not just Orthodox Jews, rabbis, rabbis, who are not in the ecumenical movements, and they attack Jesus down to jealousy. What would Solomon say? Nothing new under the sun. Let's start this morning, and it's getting rather windy now. <laughs> But so let's start in Isaiah 42:21. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Go to Matthew 5. When Jesus Christ came, the Jews were very much into tradition. It's also been said that the Jewish leaders were Ishmaelites, basically. And that was one of the reasons why they were so critical of Jesus. It wasn't just that they were following the Babylonian Talmud which is a despicable book. Of course, there's two uh, Talmuds. There's one that was written pre-Christ and one after Christ, post-Christ. Both books aren't to be uh, taken seriously by Bible-believing Christians. A lot of tradition and superstition and the Kabbalah also comes into that, of course. But when Christ came the first time, the Jews were lost in tradition, basically, like the Catholic Church is today. Tradition, and of course, Mark 6, make that Mark 7. He castigates the Jews for their man-made traditions, stealing the glory from God, and yet another reason why they hated him so much. 
But again, in Isaiah 42, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake, going back to Christ's imputation, the uh, imputed righteousness, which we won't discuss this morning, a wonderful subject, which is sadly attacked by a lot of Arminians, so-called holiness preachers, who have no idea how a sinner is made righteous, what righteousness is, and how a man cannot save himself, but no time to discuss that this morning. He will magnify the law, raise it up, sharpen it, and make it honourable. It was lost, you see, when the time Christ came the first time, or when he came the first time, it was lost. The Jewish uh, leaders were very close to King Herod, a devil-possessed Gentile called the King of the Jews. Of course, he was no King of the Jews. He was put there by Rome. And the people were trodden down, persecuted, and the Jewish leaders were landlords, owned most of Israel. We've gone full circle, really. It's like Cromwell and Charles I. And Christ came the first time, starts preaching to them, and they're blown away. Uh, Matthew 5, look at verse 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, look at verse 33 again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, and one more, go to uh, 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbour, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. What beautiful words! Go back to Isaiah 42 again, 21. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. So as I understand it, Isaiah 42 starts the narrative for the soon arrival of the Messiah. And I'll leave it with the understanding that the Father is speaking about the Son. Go to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. And uh, look at verse 15. And I, God speaking, will put enmity between thee and the woman, Satan and the woman, in the context Eve, but ultimately leading into Israel, obviously, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, devil's head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It shall bruise thy head, Israel will bruise the head of the serpent, and thou, Satan, shalt bruise his heel, being Israel's heel. One of the reasons why so many Jewish people, religious Jews, misunderstand uh, where we come from is down to the fact that what we have in the Bible is called double application. And a double application allows for more than one meaning to any particular verse. And I'll try and expound on that more this morning. Jump over to chapter 4, 3. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought to the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Cain and Abel, twins, farmers, they know what to do when it comes to thanking the Lord, appeasing his righteous anger. Job, 
had what 10 children many stock was sacrificing daily on behalf of his children in case they had cursed blasphemed God in their hearts if you were to go back to the days of Adam to what 70 AD and try and count all the animals sacrificed you'd be in the many millions easily he goes back to God needing a sacrifice wanting a sacrifice to appease his anger his righteous anger look at uh, verse 4 and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering he goes back to when Adam and Eve first fell and when they first fell the Lord killed an animal no doubt a lamb took the covering the skin the wool whatever it was of the animal and clothed Adam and Eve picture of imputation again when Christ looks or when God looks at those of us which are saved he sees Christ and when you looked at Christ on the cross he sees us a switch has taken place you understand the Garden of Eden Adam and Eve fall God kills an animal like a lamb possibly he gives them the covering of the lamb they're covered and animals died that's the first picture of substitutionary atonement the death of something in place of someone now Muhammad had this problem he was asked many a time if you are a prophet where are your miracles he had none why don't you sacrifice to Allah Moses would do so he wouldn't sacrifice he couldn't do miracles he wasn't even a prophet obviously not but for the Old Testament you got sacrifices left right and center so it starts with Adam and Eve like I say they fall God kills an animal covers them and off they go their sons come along one offers fruit which is a picture of self-righteousness worthless an insult and the other offers probably a lamb and the Lord said yes I'll take the lamb I see that you've got faith in that you see for the Old Testament pre-Christ those that sacrificed animals to Jehovah those that put faith in the sacrifice to Jehovah had their sins covered but not cleared until Calvary go to uh, Genesis 22 the main argument from these rabbis is that nowhere in scripture do you find of a human sacrifice being acceptable to God which is true an ordinary man can't die for ordinary people even Paul says that you know scarcely for a righteous man would one peradventure to die uh, that's absolutely so and uh, that's why when it goes back to who Christ is it makes all the difference what do they say if you want something done properly do it yourself and that's what God would do uh, Genesis 22 look at verse uh, 1 and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him Abraham and he said behold here I am and he said take now thy son take now thy son thine only son Isaac whom thou lovest that's the first time the word love appears in scripture incidentally and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of God won't ask you to do what he's not prepared to do himself he loves Abraham and Abraham loves him which is the most important thing uh, he loved us before we loved him here in his righteousness not that here in his love 
not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave a son to be a propitiation for our sins. So God looks at Abraham and he says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice. Sacrifice your son, your only son. Of course, he had two sons, but uh, this was the seed, the promised one. Sacrifice your son, whom thou lovest, thine only son. Three, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering. The wood. Christ was now to a wooden cross and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, after three days, God raises him from the dead. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Picture of the resurrection, obviously. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. Isaac's on a wooden cross. What a coincidence. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, I said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is a lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And of course, as it unfolds, he starts to get the altar ready, pitch of the altar and the uh, tabernacle later the temple he starts to put his son onto the cross who was alive Christ was nailed alive to the cross so let's back up Adam and Eve Garden of Eden born perfect upright righteous given a test they fail animals killed covers their naked bodies they're kicked out of Eden man has now fallen they have sons and daughters obviously their first two sons get into an altercation one kills the other is a vagabond a fugitive but they have a sacrificial system built in they are sacrificing it starts off with animals that's why christ is called the lamb of god god says to abraham i'm going to give you the world basically and he saves abraham but he then puts him to the test and so abraham gets ready to sacrifice Isaac who's very complicit very submissive a picture of the son in submission to his father and like I say it goes only so far and the Lord steps in and says that's enough so the argument goes along the lines of this that nowhere in scripture do you find somebody dying for somebody else which is absolutely correct you sin you break the law you pay for it that's completely understandable but that's not always the whole story. Go to uh, Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy 21. I look up verse uh, 22. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, like Barabbas, and he be put to death, and he be to be put to death, and they'll hang him on a tree. This is where the Jehovah's Witnesses get all confused. They think that Christ died on a literal tree, not on a literal cross 
Of course, the term dying on a tree is a Jewish idiom denoting a cursed death like what Absalom would experience. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. Don't leave him up more than a set period of time. For he that is hanged is a curse of God. The wage of the sin is death. <coughs> you reap what you sow. He, he that takes the sword will die by the sword. That thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So, a person breaks the law during biblical times, <coughs> also reaffirmed in Romans 13. The state has the right to put the guilty party to death. Of course, Christ wasn't guilty. He was innocent. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, like Barabbas, like us say, and he be to be put to death, and yet Christ steps in, replaces Barabbas, who's known as what, the son of the father? Son of the father, interesting. And they'll hang him on a tree. He's on the cross for six hours. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, taken down after what, six hours? But thou shalt in any wise bury him that day into the tomb he goes. For he that is hanged is accursed, accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Go to Second uh, Samuel. You'll hear Muslims quote that passage. You'll hear rabbis quote that passage. So there you are, you see. Christ couldn't be the Messiah because he's breached the word of God. Of course, Psalm 89 explains uh, that God would in fact break the law when he sent Christ to die for our sins. Second uh, uh, Samuel. If you trace back Jewish history, they start off with a theocracy, which they blow. Then it goes into a monarchy, which they blow. They get two temples, which they lose. And for the day, the Jew really has nothing. He has no priest system. He has no uh, official animal sacrificial system. Even the Ark of the Covenants is no longer available for him. He's alone, a lost in the world without hope without God and that's why he too must be born again 2nd Samuel 12 now the main point like I say goes back to person A can't die for person B or person A can't atone for person B let's think about this from another angle you got a mortgage car loan you've taken out money for this or for that you default you now owe a debt now you can write to the bank the insurers you can jump up and down holler scream what have you you can write nice letters you can threaten to do this threaten to do that it makes no difference what they want is the payment to be settled you owe the debt they don't care who pays the debt they want it settled and that's what this is really all about when you sin against God only God himself can forgive you because your sin is first and foremost against him Bringing sacrificial systems to the Lord was all very well and proper, but when both temples were destroyed by Gentiles, those that really loved the Lord knew the book inside out, just said to themselves, what's going on here? God is sweeping house. Uh, 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12. Uh, let's pick it up in verse uh, 15. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David and Bathsheba, 
we know her very well, don't we? He sees her, he calls for her, they have intercourse the same night, she falls pregnant, David has to murder her husband and also some of his close uh, fighting soldiers, he sacrifices them uh, to Gentiles, a picture of treason which I've discussed many times over the year. She falls pregnant due to the adultery which was uh, which if you did so would be uh, you get the death penalty for it as you would if you committed murder there was no sacrificial system in place for murder nor adultery and yet again the Lord would suspend his own law he can suspend the law whenever he wants to a head of state can suspend the law if he or she wants to so a child is conceived innocent child animals back in the Old Testament Adam and Eve fall God kills an innocent animal the subject of substitutionary atonement isn't a New Testament doctrine it's a Bible doctrine and here this young child has uh, been born due to the sin of adultery like I say and the Lord steps in and strikes the child and it becomes very sick 16 David therefore besought God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth he's desperate to save the child's life he's got many other children wives and concubines another subject for another day of course and the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth but he would not neither did he eat bread with them he's lost his appetite he loves his child he knows he's in the wrong he's been told that he'll pay the consequences for it going back to verse 1 when Nathan comes in and challenges him if at that account it would appear that uh, Bathsheba was either Uriah's second wife or he had children from a first marriage and it would also appear that she was younger than Uriah and as uh, Nathan is reading out the indictments against uh, David he gets very upset he starts to squirm conscience that's why so many people hate the Bible it makes them feel uneasy uncomfortable and it came to pass 18 on the seventh day that the child died and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead for they said behold while the child was yet alive we spake unto him and he would not hearken unto our voice how will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead but when David saw that his servants whispered David perceived that the child was dead therefore David said unto his servants is the child dead and they said he is dead would you believe it male not even female then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came to the house of the Lord and worshipped and he came to his own house and when he required they set bread before him and he did eat jump down to uh, 23 but now he is dead wherefore should I fast can I bring him back again I shall go to him but he shall not return to me five times you told the child is a male a boy and the five wounds of Christ let's recap a couple come together have intercourse she falls pregnant he tries to cover it up he can't Nathan is sent to David to tell him he's out of order out of line David knows he should die for it along with Bathsheba but God says no I'll put your sin away from you but I'm going to kill the child innocent child 
Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom thou lovest, sacrifice him to me, put him on the altar, burn him alive. And these rabbis turn the nose up at Jesus. They call him all the names under the sun, which I don't want to repeat this morning, far too offensive. They blaspheme my saviour, they blaspheme my book. But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? There's no point fasting. There's no point praying anymore. Can I bring him back again? Well, you can't, but God can. I should go to him upon death, but he should not return to me. That's also a wonderful picture to show that those that die in infancy or those that die pre the age of accountability go to heaven. They're saved. They're not lost. So if you've lost a child or loved one, such will be in heaven today. Go to Psalm 89. The boy died due to his parents' sin. God killed the child, innocent child, due to his parents' sin. Christ was innocent. He died for our sins. Again, the atonement, substitutionary atonement, is a Bible doctrine. It starts with animals. And here this young child is killed, not to save his parents, obviously not, but the innocent child is killed due to the sins of the parents. So sometimes innocent people do die for other people, and in the case here, for guilty people. Uh, Psalm 89, look at verse uh, 35. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Probably in reference to Jeremiah 31, Hebrews chapter 8, the Jews broke every covenant imaginable uh, from the days of uh, Noah down to uh, the days of Malachi, from Malachi to Matthew, 400 years of silence. No message, no prophet, no nothing. Every uh, king that had come and gone would start well, end bad. You've got a couple who started well and ended well, like Josiah, uh, Jehoshaphat perhaps, but most didn't achieve much. Manasseh, of course, would repent late in life and uh, it just goes to show you never too uh, far down the road in order to be saved. 35. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. Holiness, holy father. Again, Matthew 23, call no man rabbi, rabbi, if you have one teacher which is in heaven, call no man father, if you have one father which is in heaven, call no man master, we aren't masters, we are servants. We're brothers and sisters. Once have I sworn by my holiness, my righteousness, going back to Isaiah 42, that I will not lie unto David. In fact, keep your hand there and go back to, uh, I think it's uh, Numbers. This always gets quoted uh, by our Jewish friends. I think it's 23 to uh, attack the notion of God becoming a man. Deuteronomy 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't lie as we do. We've all lied. Uh, all men are liars, as David would say. All liars were the part in the lake of fire. Uh, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. God is not a man that he should lie. That's the context. Neither the Son of Man, that he should repent. Christ didn't need to repent. 
they quote that verse to somehow dismiss Jesus as being the Messiah. And yet this verse proves that God isn't a man who should lie or who will lie. There's no sin with God, he's above sin obviously. Nor the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, that he should repent. Which of you convicted me of sin? Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall not he make it good? You better believe it. God is not a man, that he should lie. That's the context. He's not like people who lie. Neither the Son of Man, Christ, that he should repent. And the word of God says, except you repent, you should all likewise perish. Go back to Psalm 89. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. In the context, David the lesser, son of Jesse, but ultimately the greater David, son of Jehovah, his seed should endure forever. And his throne as a son before me. There's no Jewish king. Look, they got no priest system. They got no temple. They got synagogues, sure. They got uh, many different strands of Judaism all over the world. But they got no access to God. When they put their Messiah on the cross, when they said, uh, let his blood, his blood be on us and on our children, they got their wish. The Jews couldn't survive without the Gentiles. Christians pray for Israel. I pray for Israel. <coughs> Christians send money to Israel. American politicians stand shoulder to shoulder with Israel and bless God for that. But don't bite the hand that feeds you. These rabbis who think Jesus Christ is just filth and attack him like no one else are committing spiritual suicide. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as a son before me. Can't be reference to David's children. Jeremiah 22 says, nobody else will come from the seed of Kaniah. That line is now shut down. And that's why Christ has to be virgin born. 37, it shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. But thou hast cast off and abhorred. Thou hast been wroth with thine anointed, Christ, Christos, anointed. Yes, David was anointed of the Lord, obviously, so again, it's double application. God was angry with David, going back to uh, the Bathsheba incident, and also the uh, uh, Absalom incident, and other accounts, when David was out of fellowship with the Lord. But look at it again. But thou hast cast off and abhorred, thou hast been wroth with thine anointed. In reference to the lesser David there, look at 39. Thou hast made void the covenants of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Christ got no crown the first time. He got a crown of thorns, not a golden crown. Thou hast broken down all his hedges. Thou hast brought his stronghold to ruin. All that passed by the way spoil him. Here's a reproach to his neighbours. Thou hast set up the right hand of his adversaries. Thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. Greater David. Thou hast also turned the edge of his sword and has not made him stand in the battle. They put a spear through his side, being Christ, of course. 
thou hast made his glory to cease, and cast his throne down to the ground. So it's partly in reference to the lesser David, but ultimately in reference to the greater David, despised, abhorred. But look at 45, here's a real clincher. The days of his youth hast thou shortened. Thou hast covered him with shame, sealer. Christ dies at what, 33? David dies at what, 70? Solomon dies at what, 60? Not particularly young. The days of his youth has, hast thou shortened, 33. Thou hast covered him with shame, sealer. Go to Hebrews 12. Double application. But if you're not born again, if you are too bigoted, if you're too narrow-minded to read the New Testament, you'll miss this. The Jewish uh, community look at the New Testament with disgust, like we look at uh, Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenants, uh, or how Islam will look at the Nation of uh, Islam, as would how we would look at the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Seventh-day Adventists. So put yourself in the shoes of a Jew. I mean, give the Jew a bit of slack, obviously. They are beloved for their father's sakes. The oracles have come from God to the Jew. Uh, the Jew is greatly blessed, has been protected and preserved for thousands of years, obviously. But when they go against Jesus, when they go against uh, the New Testament, the King James Bible, we're going to respond and have our say. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, not the tree, the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Go back to Psalm 89. The days of his youth hast thou shortened, God cut him down in his prime, thou hast covered him with shame. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, a sin offering, I mean, who loves you like that? I mean, who went through what he went through for anyone apart from Christ? Go to uh, Psalm 122. Psalm 122, and then we'll go to Isaiah 53, and I'll close. Uh, Psalm 100 and uh, I think it's 121. 121. Uh, Psalm 121. Should have written these verses down. Make 129. <laughs> Psalm 129, I'll get them in a minute. Uh, look at verse 1. Many a time. Have they afflicted me from my youth? May Israel now say, the nation. Not the son of Israel being Jesus, but the nation. Again, double application. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cause of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turn back that hate Zion. Isaiah 53. In the context, you just read about Israel. 
but also Christ. Again, double application. They pierced my hands and my feet, surrounded me, uh, look upon me, I thirst. I turn the other cheek. I mean, these are all references to Christ, obviously. Not the lesser Christ, the greater Christ, the greater David, of course. Isaiah 53, look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. It can't be Israel. She can't provide an atonement for anybody else, but she can also, in the sense that she provided the Lamb of God. Going back to Genesis 3. Enmity between you and her. You'll do this, she'll do that. Same sort of a thing. He was bruised for our iniquities. What, Israel? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What, Israel? And with his stripes, we are healed. Israel or Christ? It's Christ, of course. Or we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, not Israel, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So time after time, you've got a sacrificial system built in. It'll be an animal to start with, and it'll be the animal of animals, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. And even if you were to step outside of the Bible for a couple of minutes, there'd be many over the years that have stepped up to the mark and uh, taken care of people's needs. World War II, Eric Little, Maximilian Kolb, one Catholic, one Protestant, sacrificed their own lives for other people. Why? Because they both claim to follow Christ. Car crashes, people are burning in the car, grown men see what's going on, there's children burning in the car, they run to the car to get the kids out of the car. Why are they doing that? It's built inside of them. Even in China and North Korea and parts of uh, the Middle East, you'll see clips that go online. There's a catastrophe taking place, a house is burning, a car just flipped over or what have you. People step up to rescue people and sometimes give their lives for people. So allow me to say this and I will sign out. So Christ is the Messiah. He meets all the credentials, born sinless, never broke the law. If I give you one more, go to Galatians 3 and I'll close this time. Would uh, fulfill the law, would uh, magnify the law, would explain the law, would live the law to the spirit, would taste death for every man, <clears throat> And yes, we'll die a cursed death. Uh, Galatians 3, 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, Deuteronomy, of course, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. A cursed death, he dies the death of a criminal, he's put before two thieves on the cross. One thief gets saved, the other doesn't. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Receive it, to be saved, reject it, to be damned. 
there's a lot more that could be said about this subject but for this morning I'll leave it on that point and on that note and uh, there are probably seven or eight verses in Isaiah which reaffirm how there's, how there's only one God one Savior and that one God that one Savior is Jesus Christ but the Jews hate him Paul told you they were they were blinded by Satan 2nd Corinthians 4 4 and uh, it's very distressing to see these Jews who should be on our page and appreciate that we love them and pray for them attacking our Savior I saw a very bizarre clip a few days ago of a rabbi with his wife and children converting to Islam what's going on he's converting because his religion isn't enough for him in fact I'll give you one more <laughs> and I will close this time one of the reasons why so many evangelicals go over to, uh, go over to the Church of Rome is because their religion is bankrupt it's worthless basically they're using corrupt Bibles like I say and uh, they don't really understand the sufficiency of Scripture or the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and they go over to the Church of Rome and they're still lost that rabbi came to the end of the road as far as rabbinical Judaism is concerned and he's now a Muslim and uh, it'd be very interesting to know where he is in a few years time I think it's Philippians 3 look at verse uh, 4 that I might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews much closer to Abraham Isaac and Jacob than your average rabbi today as touching the law a Pharisee can't get much higher than a Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless like Job like uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth but what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and he goes on to speak about his uh, state not his standing which weren't discussed this morning so just a few final thoughts and I will wrap up this message it's going to rain I can feel it in the air no blood no uh, no salvation without the shedding of blood there is no remission for the Old Testament animal would do New Testament the Lamb of God will uh, be completely sufficient will be totally uh, appropriate nothing else will match it it's going to be Christ or nothing whatsoever pray for the rabbis fast for the rabbis Paul prayed would fast and would do all that he could to win his people to the Lord Romans 9 he would even speak about being accursed if it meant his people could be saved don't become uh, hostile to these people pray for them pick your words carefully the root is holy uh, Romans 11 we are the branches grafted in the root holds us we don't hold the root and uh, at a time in the future God will save Israel or those that survive 
the tribulation, those that don't receive the mark of the beast, he'll save them. But between now and then, our job is to get people saved, to pray for Israel, and not to shy away from uh, the truth that there are those out there who attack Jesus and the Word of God, who aren't ecumenical, and are also trying to win Jews back to Judaism. Another ter terrible thing. I mean, to watch that rabbi become a Muslim was, cu was quite shocking. But to see Jewish people who once claimed to have followed Jesus going into Judaism is pure antichrist. First John 2 says, they went out from us, they weren't of us. Had they been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out demonstrating that they were none of us. When a man or woman departs from Christ permanently and never comes back, it shows they were never saved to begin with. And uh, again, no blood, no salvation, no Christ, no forgiveness of sins. And if you die without Christ, you're going to perish, my friends whether you're Jew or Gentile, but my prayer for you throughout 2022 is that you read the Bible, check out what I've shown you this morning, pray for wisdom if you need to do so fast, if it's necessary, and stay humble and close to God, because this year will be a very difficult year for all of us. And I'll sign it now and wish you a peace and blessing for 2022. God bless you all at Maranatha.